I wanted to say this as well. You know, when the children of Israel went, yeah, you remember when Charlton Heston took them out, right? You didn't see that movie, The Ten Commandments? I saw it. I mean, Charlton Heston let them out. But when he did, he took them to the promised land. This is the thing with you and me. The promised land is not a place for you and I to go. The promised land is Jesus. It's Jesus. The promised land is Jesus, and he's in you today. It's not something that you can seek for out here. It's something that you and I need our eyes to be opened up in here. Man, that's good. That is good news for each and every one of us. You know, you've been probably looking at Facebook and stuff, and it says things like, a lot can happen in three days. And it's true. On Mark chapter 16, verse 1 through 7, it says this, now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices and that might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering into the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a, white, a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go and tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into the Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. I think it's significant that the angel specifically named Peter. Why do you think he just named Peter out of the other 11 disciples? Because Peter was the one in most shame. He was the one who denied Jesus. And God was saying, I know what you did, Peter, but you're still my disciple, and I still love you, and I died for you. So make sure that you tell Peter. Who's going to roll the stone away, they said. Who is going to roll the stone away? For you and me, you know, sometimes we think there, there's a blockage or a stone in front of us when it comes to the joy. There's a lot of Christians, a lot of people on this planet that just don't seem to have joy in their life. There's a lot of Christians that don't have peace in their life. Maybe that there's a stone blocking your relationship between your spouse or your children or your friends. Maybe there's a stone blocking your freedom. Maybe you feel like you can't break free from some addiction that's just got you so twisted and tied up. But God wants you and I to know that, you know, there's so many times that uh, when I was growing up in church, you know, I tried to be holy, tried to work hard. And once I realized that I couldn't do that as a teenager, I just cast it all away. I think a lot of Christians do that. I can't live like that. I can't live what, the, what I've been taught. Don't do this. Don't do that. And there's a lot of don'ts. A lot of don'ts. And people say, well, I just can't do that. You are absolutely right. But the good news is God knew that you couldn't. And so that's why he sent a Savior a 
Savior that you and I can have a relationship that is not based upon your performance of what you can or cannot do, but it's based upon what Jesus has done for you. There's many people today that may be sitting in churches around the world and sitting there in shame knowing that, you know, I've done this and I've done that. Welcome to the club. There's not a one, including one, that has lived pure this week with no sin whatsoever, just so you know. But you're the pastor, (laughs) and I'm human. I mean, I may look better than I usually do on some Sundays, but an angel did not dress me (laughs) this morning. I was waiting, but no angel showed up in my bedroom saying, "I I need a coat. Yeah, it's in the closet. Sounds a lot like my wife, you know. But anyway, no, you, you, you can't sit there and base your relationship based upon what you have done or what you should be doing that you're not doing. Who's going to roll the stone away? Well, this is the good news. You can go to God in every time that you, you, you feel like you're struggling, if you have an addiction. You know, so many people with addictions, they're sitting there going, I, I need to try harder and try harder and try harder. And you may be able to do that for a few days, a few weeks, or a few months, but eventually you're going to come tumbling down because you need the strength of Almighty God. Your strength is way too weak. Your strength is too weak to even live for God. It is. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. It says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Therefore, so he's talking about Adam. Everybody entered into sin and to death because of the sin of Adam. But then he said, Because Of what Jesus has done, the gift of righteousness. The specific word there is gift. When you get a gift, what is it? Is it something that you earn or something that you did to to receive this gift? No, a gift is exactly what it means. It's something that you didn't deserve it and you couldn't do anything for it. It is a gift. It says the gift of righteousness. Verse 18 says, Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men. Resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. You know, it's funny when Christians, they get saved and they think, Now that I'm saved, I have to do right. Let me just clarify something. We're not trying to justify sin and say sin is okay, just so you know. There's consequences to sin. We know that. You should know that without some preacher telling you that. You rob a bank, you're going to go to prison, you know. So you, you, you know there's consequences to sin. But this is the thing. You know, once we get saved, we think that now sin will separate us from God. Let me ask you this. Before you got saved, or if you know somebody who's not saved, if they do good, I mean, just live a perfect life, will they be righteous because of their goodness? Will they? It's not a trick question. No. 
And so many people, you see that when they're interviewed. Well, you know, I haven't killed anybody. I've done good. And I'm a pretty good person. You're still unrighteous. Your goodness will not qualify you for righteousness. Nothing will qualify you for righteousness. Except receiving and believing in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thou shalt be saved. One thing. Just one thing. Just believing in Jesus. And then once you do that, he says, you are made righteous. We were made a sinner. Now, believing in Jesus, you are made righteous. And it's because of the gift that Jesus has given us. Romans 6.14 says, remember this. Sin will not conquer you, for God already has. You are not governed by the law, but governed by the reign of the grace of God. We believe that if, if we keep the law of the Old Testament, that that qualifies us to be in goodness with God. And so Jesus went about in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John teaching all the religious people that, no, that's not what makes you righteous. That's why prostitutes, tax collectors... Thieves were welcomed in the company of Jesus. He wanted them to know that they were loved by God, and if they believe in him, they were made righteous. And everybody that came in his presence realized that. They realized that they were loved by God. So we are reconciled by the cross. In 2 Corinthians 5, 19, it says that, For God was in Christ. Reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So what God was doing when Jesus was hanging on the cross, God was in Christ. Listen to this. God was in Christ reconciling. What does that mean? Making everything right between man and God because sin was a separation between God and man. And so God says, I'm going to take care of the sin issue. I'm going to take care of it. And then, because he was in Christ working this all out for you and me, it says in that scripture that, you know, because when I was raised up, I mean, I thought that, man, everything I did, God was going to remind me when I got to heaven. Anybody think that, you know? I mean, you talk about a long line of people. And if you were after me, you were going to have to wait extra long, you know, because, all right, Mike, here we go. Everybody else, be seated. But this is the good news. Did you know church is about good news? It's not about condemnation or sin or pointing a finger. Church, the Lord Jesus Christ, is about good news for you and me. And this is the good news. It says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. There's no list in heaven. With your sins written on them. Thank God. So it's going to be really great in that line. You could say this. That Good Friday is when we were reconciled to God. And because of Easter, we are saved by God. We're reconciled by the cross. But you and I are saved because of the resurrection. Reconciliation doesn't save us. Receiving Jesus does. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin 
Jesus was made sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21. This is the Passion Translation. For God made the only one who did not know sin. God made Jesus to become sin. Why? So you and I could become righteous. He made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. So how do you become righteous? By doing good or doing this or not doing this? No, by becoming in union with him. You're made righteous because of that one act, that one belief. Now you're righteous. And you're righteous. Did you know this? You'll never be more righteous than you are right now today. When you get to heaven, you're not going to get, you know, more righteous just because you get into heaven's gates. Think about that. Most people think everything's going to be better about themselves. You know what's going to be better about yourself? You're not going to be believing the lies that you've believed on this planet about yourself. The walls came tumbling down in Jericho to get into the promised land. There has to be walls in your mind and my mind to come tumbling down for us to believe everything that Jesus has done for you and me and how he sees you. You don't see yourself right. Nobody has 20-20 vision when it comes to how you see yourself right. You have power over sin. You do. So it says in Romans 5.10, So if while we were still enemies, God fully reconciled us to himself through the death of his son, then something greater than friendship is ours. Now that we are at peace with God... And because we share in his resurrection life, how much more we will be rescued from sin's dominion. You know, people say, well, I just can't do that, and I just can't do this, and I can't do that. You know, I just, something just has a hold of me. Let me tell you, that's a lie in your mind. There's something that has a hold of you, and it's called the Jesus, the love of God. He loves you with an undying love. It will never ever change no matter what you do no matter where you're at in life the love of God is constant and it will stay the same when you know these truths that we're talking about today it can help you to have a better life because most people don't like a life with God because they struggle and they and they know they mess up and so they feel guilty and they feel shame and that is the trap of the enemy it's exact, you know what? For 2,000 years, people still are the same. The, the religious leaders of Jesus' time, they were all about looks. It was all about looks, what they could do and how they could look in front of the community. And Jesus sat there and says, your righteousness is as filthy as rags. And I remember that being quoted to me when I was growing up in church. There's nobody righteous. There's none righteous. Your righteousness is filthy as rags. Before I was saved, that was true. After you are saved, it's not a truth anymore. Because I've been made righteous. You've been made righteous. You have, and once you get a hold of that revelation, it's not just the truth thing that you just shake your head and go, yeah, you know, one of those bobblehead things. Yeah. No, 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 no. It has to be a revelation. It has to be a truth that you truly believe about yourself. That no matter what, I'm righteous when I get up in the morning, in the middle of the night, throughout the week. Even when I'm not in church, I'm the righteousness of God. 
There's from time to time I'll look into the mirror and I go, Mike, you're righteous. Just makes me smile saying that. Because in the back of my brain goes, are you kidding me? Everybody, you got these thoughts that come to your mind, but those are the thoughts that the walls have to come tumbling down so you can grab hold of the promises of God. He is Jesus. The promised land is Jesus. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians that all of the promises are yes and amen. It just means this. It means so be it unto you. It means so be it unto you. So these truths will help you. They'll help you. Jesus' death on the cross did not change the disciples. Hmm. When he was crucified, everybody but John was running. Everybody was scared to death. Everybody was fearful. All the disciples were fearful. They're going to come and get us. They're going to come and get us. The Bible says they went... After three days, when Jesus was resurrected, they were behind not only closed doors, locked doors. They were behind the doors, locked. Jesus couldn't even get through the door, so he just appeared. He went through the door. He just appeared before them. I want to watch that video when I get to heaven to see their expression. Don't you want to see that? It's not just like... I mean, you, there's no expression that we can dream that up. I mean, it's just out of this world. Like, <laughs> they said it's not. A, Jesus said it's not a ghost. Come and feel, touch my skin. Look at my nail print hands. Thomas, the doubting one, come and touch my side where the spear went in. The cross didn't change them, their lives, but the resurrection did. <laughs> Thank God for the resurrection. It empowers people like you and me. Simple fishermen were all of a sudden empowered. Peter, who denied that he even knew Jesus. After the resurrection, he's preaching to the crowds. And the Bible says, you, all of you guys, I want to tell you about Jesus, how he was crucified, but he's resurrected. And when he preached to the crowd, no longer was he ashamed, but he preached the goodness, the good salvation, the gospel to all the crowd. And the Bible says 3,000 people gave their life to God. So the death, the cross did not change them, but what changed them was the resurrection. It's the same with you and me. When we see Jesus on the cross, we learn that God loves us. But when we see Jesus risen from the dead, we realize his love is greater than anything that life can throw at us. The resurrection empowers you and me once you understand it. The resurrection, the Bible says this, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Listen to this. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, it dwells in you. It's in you. That's a lot of power. You know? And so many church people and Christians are saying, God, send us more power. Do you really need any more power than resurrection power? I mean, there's no more power greater than the resurrection power. 
And again, the walls have come up between us and, and, and church people because we think that. We need more. God, are you going to send revival? God, are you going to do this? God, you're going to do that? And you're, you are people behind the walls of Jericho still hoping for God to do something else. Really, the death, burial, and resurrection wasn't enough for you? You need just a little bit more from God than him raising Jesus from the dead? Just a thought. It's a real bad thought, let me tell you that. It's a thought from the pit of hell. That's what it is. Because the devil is deceiving people just like he's done for thousands of years. We need something else from up heaven. We need something else. Really? Yes, we need something. God, we need you to move. We need something else. As if the death, burial, and resurrection wasn't enough. Are you kidding me? When Jesus was raised from the dead, we need to realize that when Jesus said these words, we all know them. What are they? It is it's finished. It's a done deal. I say that to my kids, you know. It's a done deal. Do this and do this. If, if I say it's already done or it's paid for, you know, whatever, I go, it's a done deal. What does that mean? Oh, we just rest. We relax. It's a done deal. That's what Jesus was saying on the cross. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a done deal. It's a done deal. So the resurrection proves, listen to this, the resurrection proves that nothing can separate us from God's undying love. Nothing can separate you from God loving you. Nothing. And this is what changes us and empowers us to walk out this prison called sin. The doors have been opened. Get out. Walk out. Nothing can hold, no devil in hell can hold you in bondage once you realize that the doors are open to you and to me. Evil and death have been dealt with on the cross. All of your sins have been dealt with on the cross. Galatians 2.20 says this. Paul says this. He wasn't at the crucifixion, by the way. But Paul says this. I have been crucified with Christ. Now, people hearing him say that, they always go, liar, liar, pen some fire. We know you weren't there. But he knew something that most people don't know. Even church people don't know. Like Paul, you and I need to be able to have a revelation and quote and quote with Paul, Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, it's not I that liveth. It is Christ in me, and the faith that I now live by, I live by the faith of the Son of God. In the spiritual realm, you know, the spirit's more real, more powerful than the physical realm that we can feel, taste, and touch. It's more real. I know it's, it's just mind-boggling, but it is. It's more real. And so in the spiritual realm, what all of the demons and all of the angels and God, what they see when they look at you, You have nail prints in your hands. You have nail prints in your feet. And your side has been pierced. I know some of you are going, say what? Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. If you've been crucified, you have the same markings that Jesus had on him. I believe 
what's the scripture I always quote? Is it 1 Corinthians 6, 17? Is that it? He that has been joined to the Lord is what? One spirit. But he, can we just say this out loud together? But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. One spirit with him. What does that mean? That means Mike doesn't inhabit the right side and Jesus inhabit the left side. No. What it means, when I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, he came. The old Mike was crucified on the cross, and he was buried when Jesus was buried. I was buried. Paul said, when Jesus died, I died. You died. When Jesus was buried, you were buried. But just like Jesus was resurrected, so were you and I. And we've been seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We have been read. The old man, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, when we accept Jesus, the old man dies. And behold, everything becomes new. Old things passed away and everything becomes new. Everything becomes new. What does that mean? Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet it's not I that liveth. It is Christ in me. So you and I have to get a better picture of ourself or else you're going to be just like the children of Israel running around the same mountain. Even though you're free from Egypt, listen to me. They were free for Egypt, but they weren't free in their mentality and their thinking. Ow. That is so good and so true. Me, you, we all need to be cleansed of these Wrong thinking and wrong thoughts. I just need to get better. I just need to do better. You probably do. But honey, it's going to take more than just your willpower. It's going to take a revelation that you have been made one with Jesus and that you have been crucified and now you are resurrected with him. You are empowered with him. The great thing about Easter and having a revelation of it is you are empowered today to live the better life you always hoped for, the life that's free, a life that is free from condemnation, sin, shame, and guilt. Quit looking at yourself through those. Man, you know, have you ever seen, have you ever put rose-colored glasses on? My skin's kind of rose-colored, and people think they're looking through rose-colored glasses. But anyway, I mean, you, you know, you look through rose-colored glasses, and you see everything rosy-colored. But that's not what the real person's skin is or, or the object that you're looking at. That's not its real color. Are you following me? The Bible says the truth will make you free. It'll set you free. But as long as you're looking through these colored glasses, it will always appear that you're really not. But what God wants you and I to know this Easter awesome morning is the truth. It's time to take off the glasses. It's time to shout into those walls that have been separating you from truth and revelation and say, I am the righteousness of God. Every promise that he's ever made to me, I believe it's for me. And I believe the promise is yes and amen. 1 Corinthians 15, 14. And if Christ has not been raised, 
All of our preaching has been for nothing, and your faith is useless. Believing in the resurrection gives you the power that you need to be transformed, to be changed. So many programs, and I'm not belittling them, try to get you to do something to be changed. And I believe they can work, but I'm telling you the greatest change that you will ever live is knowing who you are in Christ and what he's done for you today. Anytime Mike tries to do something stupid, you know, or dumb, I go, Mike, you are dead. What are you doing? You're a dead man. You're the righteousness of God, Mike. You are the righteousness of God. Christ is in you. Everywhere I go, I take him. Him and I are one. We go everything through life together, and he said he would never leave me nor forsake me no matter what. Praise God. Praise God. So stop believing that you are a sinner saved by grace. It's either or. You're either a sinner or you're either saved by grace. You can't be both. I used to be a sinner, but now I'm the righteousness of God saved by grace. And people say, yeah, but you still sin. Yeah, but that's not what I am. I said, that's not what I am. You know, people say, well, I saw you did that, so that's who you are. No, I may have done that, but that's not who I am. Tear down those strongholds that you've been thinking about yourself. Believe in what Jesus has done on Easter morning. He did it to change your life, to transform your life. And the biggest problem you have is between your ears. It's not this way. It's this way. That's your problem. And once you understand that and you start believing in your heart, your life will be transformed. You'll be changed. And you will have a better life. You'll have a better life. And it'll be a life free from shame, condemnation, and guilt. Listen, any message that you ever hear, whether it's this pulpit or whatever pulpit you're listening from, if it causes you to be shameful and guilty, one or two things. It was preached wrong or you received it wrong. One of the two. Because that is not the gospel. That is not the good news. The good news is I'm free from sin, shame, and condemnation. Romans says, therefore, there is now no condemnation to them who are in Christ. So today, let's walk out of church free from guilt, free from shame, free from condemnation. How many think that's good to be walking out of here? Let's walk out of church with our head held high and going, it's a wonderful day in the neighborhood. It's a wonderful day in the neighborhood. Wouldn't you be my neighbor? Let's stand. Woo! Everybody say, it's good news. And I believe it. I believe it. Believe that you were raised with him. Man, what a happy, happy Easter everybody would have if they understood that. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, we just believe in Jesus' name that you're helping us. Deception to fall away and the, 
the bad thing about deception, Father, is you, we don't know when we are being deceived. But the good thing is, is that your light, your truth, shines in the dark corners of our life and our minds. And it can reveal to us, I've been thinking wrong or I've been deceived. Father, I pray that for all of us right now, not only today, but for the days of all of our life, for that light to shine bright in our hearts and in our minds, that we may comprehend and, and know the truth and walk in that truth and have a better life. Help us to do that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.